0: Welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Nancy.
1: And my name is Matthew.
0: And this is a podcast where we talk about the movies we watched growing up together. This week, we decided to do something a little different, a very special episode. It was our mom's birthday this week, and this is still the shelter-in-place coronavirus insanity that everyone in the world is dealing with. Which means we didn't get to spend time in person with our mom. And ever since we started doing the podcast, um, there are a couple movies that our mom has asked us about over and over. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about just kind of in general, like, oh, yeah, these are movies that we plan on doing at some point. And she has mentioned these two movies in particular a couple of times. One of the movies is a movie I had actually thought about talking about anyways at some point. And that movie is An American President with Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. The other movie is Working Girl with uh, Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, and Sigourney Weaver. And we just wanted to have a special episode to talk about some mom movies tonight. Um, mom movies. Mom movies. Yeah. Mom so movies. Um, I'll talk about American President later in the episode, but Matt's going to get us started with a discussion of Working Girl.
1: Okay, so Working Girl was directed by Mike Nichols, who is famous for doing a whole bunch of different movies, and it again it stars Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, and Sigourney Weaver. Uh, not in that order on the billboard. I mean, this movie at, you know came out in 1988, and if you look at the billboard, it is starring Harrison Ford and Sigourney Weaver and Melanie Griffith, even though Melanie Griffith is in probably 99% of the movie and Melanie Griffith plays Tess and um, she is a very ambitious, hardworking, I guess admin is the, is probably the uh, popular term or the more, the more up to date term Mm -hmm. um, or but um, in the
0: in the finance the part, industry,
1: in the finance industry, she actually they actually work in the World Trade Center. And wow. um, which was very interesting to see. Um, my wife pointed out like, oh, my God, they're in the World Trade Center and how kind of creepy trippy that is to see. But yeah. also, I think it's kind of nice to see,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I thought it was kind of kind of interesting. And she's had a lot of problems kind of keeping a job because. She's such a go-getter, and she likes to um, really kind of voice her opinions when it comes to business because she has spent a lot of time studying and really wants to get into a higher position where she can work within the financial world. If she
0: had been in the movie To Die For, I'm sure someone would have called her gangbusters.
1: She probably yes she was very gangbusters (laughs) gangbusters was was definitely one way I would describe her (laughs) you know and she and she faces a lot of the um, challenges as a woman in the work industry you know in in the working world that a lot of women face and they they show that a lot in the movie
0: one of those challenges uh, being shoulder pads right
1: um for the 80s definitely. <laughs> and and some of the 90s I think the shoulder pads were phasing out probably somewhere in the 90s that um having manly shoulders was not necessary anymore. Um but yeah, shoulder pads. And then they and then shoulder pads came back. They've come back. I'm I'm not that I'm really into women's manly shoulders business, <laughs> business fashion um but but yeah. So she's trying to, you know, make her way in the finance industry, but she's also facing a lot of pressure from her home life because her best friend, uh, Sin, who is played by Joan Cusack,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: with very big hair and eyeshadow.
0: Oh. <laughs> very big hair.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got World Trade Center. Empire State building, John Cusack's hair, I think is the, I think is where, what we're looking at here. And, um, You're not but wrong. also, but also, um, some pressures from her, um, boyfriend, Alec Baldwin, whose name is, um, in the movie Mick Dugan. And he's not necessarily the greatest guy, I would say. Uh, no. Um, No, early when the movie starts early in the movie, it is actually Tess's birthday. She's turning 30 and this is a big time for her in her life. And she comes home to a surprise party and um, with a few friends, one of those friends, which because Nancy spoiled my my cameo appearance in our last episode, one of the guests who has no dialogue, but is his first time ever on film. David Duchovny which Nancy did you know that
0: I know I noticed it when I saw IMDB but I must have been looking away from the screen when he showed up because
1: I didn't see him don't worry I took a photo of it just to show
0: you oh great thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway um but so after this um after this birthday party you see them in their bedroom and Alec Baldwin is you know um Showcasing his his manly bare chest, Whoa. and I mean bare chest, B E A R.
0: He's a very hairy man. This is like but he he and Kevin Costner could like compete for hairy chests in the late eighties.
1: They could if they chest bumped, it'd be like Velcro. <laughs> yeah, it
0: it was a lot.
1: <sighs> but anyway, when we see this scene, you know he's you know, half naked in bed. And you. then the next thing you see is his his birthday present to Tess was lingerie, which I don't know if that's necessarily the thing she wanted. She probably wanted, you know, flowers and a robe or something nice. Well, she that, put it. She, can it you give me something nice.
0: I can wear out in public, please?
1: Right. Of course, she could wear that out in public. Just no one would see. So she's got this home life that she's struggling to kind of kind of deal with she's got this career that she wants to to um get off the ground and then she has the opportunity to work for sigourney weaver who is Catherine parker without going into to too much of the how this plot kind of goes downhill from there sigourney weaver gets injured on a vacation and melanie griffith decides to take this opportunity because she has been she finds out that she's been screwed over by by Sigourney Weaver's character and she decides that she's going to take this opportunity to kind of pretend that she's at a level that she's not really at at her job and you know really kind of go balls out and just dive in the deep end and go for it (laughs) and by doing this, she tries to cut a deal with Jack Trainer, who is played by Harrison Ford, and they have to work together to um, try and do this. She work the department that she works in is in like uh, I think it's called um, mergers and uh, acquisitions. Yeah. Acquisitions, mergers yeah. and acquisitions. So you know they make money by buying other companies and facilitating that. So the two of them get together to try and um, make this deal happen, and in while working together, they start to become romantically involved. Over a week, And the whole time, over a week, less yeah. than that, maybe. Actually, you know what? I think it. it you know what's weird is it kind of. F- you know movie timeline it's kind of hard to tell it might have been there was a couple i think there was a montage or two in there and Catherine was supposed to be injured in a way for a number of weeks so it could have taken place over a few weeks so anyway they start becoming romantically involved but what she does not know is that jack is also dating katherine parker sigourney weaver's character yeah which adds to the madness um Hence, continuing the small, the very subtle Costanza effect in this in this movie. Eventually, it all works out. It, you know, Catherine gets screwed over, you know, because she screwed over Tess. It all works out. Um, the deal gets made. Tess and Jack end up together and it ends up being this whole nice flowery kind of ending. And Cause it's a romantic um, comedy. That brings me to an excellent question because I knew you were going to make that comment. So I had to look this up and I did some research that was I could have been spending time researching the movie. But instead, I researched something else in addition to that, which is this. Here's a question for you, Nancy. When is a romance just a romance and not a romantic comedy? I don't know. You don't know. So, how come this just isn't a romance?
0: Because it's truly a comedy as well.
1: Okay, so. I
0: mean, the hair alone is comedic. I mean, Sigourney Weaver's lines are all hilarious. I mean, her little speech to Tess when she's telling her why she thinks that Jack is going to propose to her, you know, about all of the reasons. And then she goes, and of course, I am, after all, me. I mean, the uh-huh. the, the dot, there are so many comedic things. I mean, he has to, Tess, Jack has to carry Tess over his shoulder up three flights of stairs. I mean... That is a comedy thing. That is not just a romance thing. Okay. They, 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 so they go, they, 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 the term when you just show up to a party you're not invited to crash. They crash. They crash that wedding, which is like some weird Caribbean theme. The theme of that wedding alone is comedic. And, the, and then the wonderful shot of Harrison Ford like downing. Funny tropical drinks because he's so nervous about it. I mean, there's a lot of things about this movie that are supposed to be comedic. So, okay, and it's Mike but, Nichols. Mike Nichols is a is a com- is a is a comedian at heart. So,
1: anyways, but okay. So, would you ever want to watch a romance movie that isn't funny? Of course. N- w- name a romance movie that isn't funny.
0: Say anything. I mean, it's got some. You don't think
1: that there's funny things in that movie? You cracked up at that movie.
0: There are funny things in that movie, but it's not about. It's it's not the driving force.
1: So you think the driving force in this movie is its comedy and not the character development or the general story at all?
0: Well, all of that goes together. Why are you trying to do gotcha journalism with me over what a romantic comedy is?
1: I'm not. I just. I just think it's an interesting question to to say like it could. It could be very. It could very well be that all romances are t- probably romantic comedies because who wants to watch an unfunny romance movie? I mean, so well, so the term romance. So well, the term romantic Romeo and Juliet, is so broad.
0: Romeo and Juliet is a romance, but it's certainly not a comedy. <laughs>
1: You don't think that um, you didn't laugh at Mercutio and, and all of those guys when they're I mean, there's really. probably funny, funny parts mm-hmm. in that. It didn't end funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just I, I just think it's it's because A, I knew you were going to say that <laughs> and B, I thought it was a good opportunity to well, bring up the idea of what I just think it's important. It's an interesting thing for people to think about is are there a lot of romantic comedies out there that like the, the, one of the articles I read said, said that, um, if you poll people about, um, the movie coming to America, which is about a guy who comes to America to find love and then ends up having, you know, realizing that, you know, everything that he has isn't really worth it when he falls in love with, with the person he loves. So, I mean, there's romance in that. Everyone says that's a comedy because it's Eddie Murphy. So it, it it it's a fine line to where any where it's 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 uh subjective, I guess well, is is what I would well, say. I am I M D B
0: has it listed as three genres and comedy is the first one. Comedy, drama, romance. All three of those are listed as how to a way to classify working girl. Okay. I don't think mom so. would appreciate us arguing about this in an episode dedicated to two movies <laughs> she wanted to watch. Well, she's she's
1: we're getting along doing it so it shows how great of a mom she did she she was that we could have a conversation about it and still discuss it. Anyway, my point
0: I don't even remember where we were in the conversation before we went into this romantic comedy tangent. <laughs>
1: um so after, you know, everything is all nice and and fluffy with between Harrison, uh, between Jack and Tess, you see that Tess has a new job, uh, working for the company that she helped do the do the buyout, and um, she walks in thinking, "Oh, yeah, I'm starting at the ground level. It's just another you know job." She thinks she's she's the secretary for this new person, and then it the tables are turned, and it turns out no, she actually has the The management job And she has her own secretary Mm -hmm. So It's In a lot of ways It ends up being A lot more of a Like A journey to see That like All the hard work That she had done And that she talked about That she felt like She was getting stepped on You know All at the beginning Of the movie It really ends With this great Kind of payoff at the end Where you know Even though she had She felt like she did Something kind of shady It Sometimes you have to take, you have to take risks, especially in your career. Sometimes, to, um, to get ahead, and I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: And it was great that she was able to kind of um, set a new standard for how assistants are to be treated. Like she says, you know, I don't expect you to fetch me coffee all day. You only only get me coffee if you happen to think about it when you're getting some for yourself. I don't expect and you to call me Tess. And call me <laughs> Tess. And and I'm sure and she goes, and beyond that we'll figure it out as we go. Like she didn't have some strong strict code. Like she certainly wasn't gonna ask her new assistant to push around a cart of steaming hot dumplings at a party. No. Um, amongst other very strange things that um, Catherine Parker asked Tess
1: to do. It's a two way street, Nancy. It's two a two way street. street. I, th-
0: I think um, I haven't seen this movie in many, many years, and I know mom always liked it. I mean, mom always really yes. loved it. And um, mom. I think from when this movie came out was about seven, eight years older than Tess's character. So she, you know, she'd been in and she'd been back to work. I think she was back to work full time by the time this movie came out. This movie came out. Yeah. Or she was she was definitely she was that, definitely yeah. work back to back to work. I don't know if it was quite full time yet or either way. She was back in the working world. And uh, even
1: and even before that, she had worked in um in the finance world Mm -hmm. um, at a bank before, you know, she stopped working, (laughs) you know, before for us. Yeah. And um, so she there was definitely a lot of things I think that she she relates to and why and that's why one of the things that makes her like this. And unfortunately, a lot of the we don't we don't have to see a lot of the same things we saw in nine to five. But you know, there's definitely some similarities as far as you know, treatment and yeah. whatnot. M-
0: misogynistic I mean. bosses and did you notice uh Kevin Spacey early on? He's the he's the oh, yeah. gross yeah. uh the gross um setup that stupid Oliver Platt, you know, tries to set her up on and, and under the horrible guise too of this is where this is what you need to do to get into this important training program for you to advance in your career. And of course, that's not what it was. He was pimping her out because, you know, why would a, why would any woman want anything more than just you know, to go to the penthouse suite or whatever it was? And <sighs> yeah.
1: yeah, I read somewhere online too that, or um, my wife had had mentioned to me because we were watching it together and she was looking stuff up um, as well. And uh, apparently, Kevin Spacey didn't learn his lines until the day of the shoot.
0: Wow. Well, it's not like he had a whole I- lot of lines, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Hey, go in the limo and be a total asshole.
0: Yeah, I mean that <laughs> no was no problem.
1: And, and exactly.
0: Um, so a f- few things I would like to talk about. First off, I want to just ask. Um,
1: you think that? Yeah, they... you're a working girl. You're a working girl. <laughs> what do you got to say?
0: They they all lived on Staten Island, right? I mean, is that isn't that the vibe you got? because they had to take uh, the ferry.
1: Tess and Sin lived on Staten Island. Yeah. Okay. It was the Staten Island ferry.
0: Okay. Um not that that's a huge point I just wanted to make. I wanted someone else to validate that's <laughs> I thought that's where they lived. where
1: that is how I understood it. Yes, okay. they lived on
0: Staten. Island. Um Latin. No, I I thought I thought it was good. I mean, I it, again, it's been, long I like, se- I, it's been I, a long time since I've I have it has been a long time since I've seen it. it. Harrison Ford is really great. It's so fun to see him really embrace this kind of comedic role. And I actually think for as very, for as, you know, super attractive as he is, I think his character, because he's just in this tough business world, um, is actually kind of insecure in dealing with women. Because, like, when he brought her home after totally getting her wasted. I mean, he did that on purpose. I mean, well, he kept well, plying her with, that, he, she had a volume ahead
1: of time, which was, a she had a volume she and she had way more. Yeah. Yeah. Sin had given her volume to relax her. It was, she did not look at the bottle and gave her way too much. Yeah. So she was already toasted.
0: Yeah. But you know, he kept plying her with, I think she, they had like five or six shots of tequila. Cause it was double, like doubles. Oh, let's do yeah. another round and yeah. whatever. Um, but like when he got her upstairs and like sat her in the chair and then was so awkward like oh do you want a nightcap or this and that and he just kind of looked at her and goes wow you're so pretty and a part of me thought like does he not get this close with that many women that often or you know it just it just seemed like you know how pretty she was must have just really really taken him by surprise and anyways um, well they
1: kind of they also kind they also um kind of hint at the fact that even in his job and in business he's kind of had a few misfires so he's a little nervous and maybe he's not like the greatest at his job or whatnot so you know there's there's that and he calls he also was was in a relationship with someone else that you don't really know about at that time so maybe (laughs) he was kind of nervous at this whole idea like oh my God, I'm cheating on this person and I don't really give a shit, but uh, this doesn't feel right. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) So some of my, some of my takeaways, which I'll say, which I know you're calling, you call it like the George Costanza thing. The whole idea of her impersonating being, you know, a more powerful businesswoman than she actually was. An executive. I mean, it's, it's pretty. It, it, it's pretty far fetched. <laughs> I mean, it's is it just, silly. It, it's it, kind of it, silly. It is silly. I mean, yes, she was. I mean, yes, she had like the perfect opportunity because no one else was going to really interact with Catherine Parker on a day to day basis. Like, it's really just her. It Would it just be Tess and her boss? Like, that's kind of all. So she, she took advantage of being able to, like, sit in the office and, you know, she worked on her speaking skills so she could have, like, that really, really strong accent to be Tess's secretary. And then she could, you know, executive... Use the executive voice, I guess, or whatever, you know, whatever her
1: more professional sounding yeah. voice was. Um, yep. Trying to lose the Staten Island accent. exactly, and become more you know if you want to be taken seriously you, you got to have, have serious,
0: serious hair <laughs> um um i do i i really do enjoy the romance between her and jack i think they had good chemistry and i i think the whole like oh my god you're not who i thought you were i mean that's a very kind of romantic comedy kind of setup mm-hmm. um yeah but they figured it out like they you know they got past the awkwardness of seeing each other that next morning in that meeting and Um, moved forward and up until Catherine Parker finding out what was going on and then blowing the whole thing. Um, The other thing I find kind of goofy about this movie, which just is perfect for like, this is such a 1988 movie set in this kind of wall street finance world is like the whole device was, she was reading the paper on her ferry going back and forth to work and had this great idea and this whole thing, like, oh, she read about this one company that's looking into broadcasting and they're getting kind of cock-blocked and not able to get into TV and she's like, wow, how about radio? Like, I just thought of it and just... It's (laughs) kind of like this whole, like, device, like, the whole, like... it, It just has... It very much has this 80s feel. Like, I don't know if you... It kind of like in Pretty Woman, like, this whole... Like the the whole kind of business angle in Pretty Woman is you know Edward is taking companies apart and you know oh can Vivian stop him from breaking up this family like there's just like nothing tangible like you know it's not it's it's like what Lord Dobbler talks about he doesn't he, his whole speech about what he doesn't want to do in, as a career I mean these these yeah. these executives have that kind of thing it's like ugh. so so just this kind of premise of I don't know I. I it's just kind of funny to me and just like, okay, well, yeah, I don't know. I
1: I think it's probably, well, first of all, I think it's a little more realistic. It might be more realistic than we think. We don't work in the finance world, so I can't really comment. But it was an interesting device to show how mu- how well read and how mu- how studious she was, which I think was really important because... It wasn't... They needed to make it... She She's a character who is just not some person from... She's just not a nobody from Staten Island. She is... There's someone inside of her, and she. it's just a matter of, like, taking the opportunity and going with it to advance your career. And there's a lot of people out there that don't want to do that. <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that can't do that. Well, she and had a lot of
0: friends she, that she were uninterested to, she spent, in that yeah,
1: kind of... Yeah, career I mean, she project. spent trajectory yeah she spent five years going to night school to get her business degree and then and she wanted to to do something with it and and i think a lot of her friends not necessarily sin sin a little bit only because she was worried about like her she was concerned for her friend but like mick was kind of like i don't i don't know why you're doing this (laughs) you know you're like it's a fun thing for you to do i mean i mean he doesn't really he didn't really take her very seriously as it, as it was. And ultimately he ends up cheating on her and hooking up with someone else. Yeah. And good for her, good for Tess. Because their, their, their he, levels, was not, he was, he
0: was, their levels of ambition were very different.
1: Well, well, he was ambitious, but he was ambitious with, with what he wanted with his boat, you know, and doing whatever that was, but their lives are on two different paths. Yeah. And, and, and in some ways it's very, it's very interesting to watch it now and see how much careers affect people's personal lives and how and what they do as far as you know the direction they go and I mean so many people don't get married or have kids until much later because of how all their you know the career things that they're doing so it's a lot it's it's it, it's an interesting point in time in 1988 that they're having this movie and seeing it 30 years later yep. <laughs> um 30 plus years later years um old. how how many how much is the same and how much is different is kind of interesting as far from a business aspect of it so. S-
0: some some basic things that have changed um shoulder pads wearing nylons um wearing sneakers with nylons um uh, <laughs> Well that was that the big hair. I,
1: I think the sneakers with nylons thing you have to remember was a commuter thing. Oh no no no, no. That's no, no. still pretty common. <laughs> but I
0: don't think many I don't think there's a whole lot of people wearing nylons much anymore. I think business casual has changed I, enough where nylons are not a requirement
1: anymore. No. And <laughs> you know <laughs> but but this sn- is being created but but, but
0: this but, but like the high top sneakers and then like her socks going halfway up her leg where it looks like little leg warmers it's like yep this this was probably the first movie i really saw that in do you remember do you remember other movies in the 80s before this where you'd see the business ladies running around with their little sneakers on with their little outfits i think you
1: see it a- I want to say you see it a little bit in nine to five where they, someone changes their shoes. Mm. Um, But um, I remember, I mean, and I think that one of the first times I ever saw that might not have been in this movie, but on like a television show or something where someone was going to the office. I mean, the nylons thing is different, but it's the whole idea of, going to... Because you have to walk or trow- commute to work and there's <laughs> leg work done. You don't want to do it in heels. I mean, wh- who would?
0: <laughs> I mean, I have a pair of sneakers at work for when I go on walks and stuff. So, I mean, I kind of look like these ladies just no nylons. Um, and I, and not socks going up half my leg to look like little leg warmers either.
1: Since we're talking about... um um the clothing in this in this movie. Can we talk about the lack of clothing Melanie Griffith has in this movie? You know, She's in her underwear a lot in this movie. And, and <laughs> should we
0: really be surprised that her daughter ends up doing all of the um fifty shades of gray movies? I mean like mother, like daughter.
1: Well, Here's a question for you. Mm. Is Fifty Shades of Grey a romance?
0: I have no idea. I've never seen them. It? They're they're not my kind of they're it's not for me, so I've never seen them. Um I I do you know, other other fun things though about this movie, you know, I think Joan Cusack is amazing. She is so hilarious as, you know, her supportive best friend and just you know, while she's trying to keep Tess grounded, like just as a reality check, like, how deep do you want to go with this? How, you know, how far do you want to go? Yeah. She still was just this wonderful person. And, I mean, you know, the haircutting scene was pretty funny. But then also just, you know, and, and, and when she confronts Tess about why Tess decided to end everything with Alec Baldwin's character, you could see that would be kind of like the... Pull between two worlds for tests like, you know, do do I take the leap and try to really um, develop a life in this, you know, more executive business world or do I scale it back and just take temp assignment after temp assignment with these really disgusting people? in the stockbrokers that are so horrible to me. And I mean, the scene that she had in, in Olympia Dukakis doesn't have a very big role in this, but I think it's an important one. It's, you know, when she's like, look, this is the fourth time I've had to place you, you know, at some point we need to figure out it's not every, not everybody can be a bad guy. Like at some point we've got to figure out it's you, you've got to be, you're, you're the problem. If you need to be moved around so much. Um, I think Kath, I think Sigourney Weaver as a villain is so wonderful. She she probably has the best lines in the movie.
1: Is she your favorite character? Who's your favorite character?
0: <sighs> I really like Harrison Ford in this movie. But I think in terms of memorable characters, I'd have to probably say it's Catherine Parker. I mean... It's not like I'd want to hang out with her or anything, or certainly I would never want to work for her. But yeah, her character is just it's two way <laughs> She's just and and just that that glossy kind of pretentious kind of thing she's got, where she puts on this thing to you know she puts on this face to everybody, thinking that she's so together, she's so wonderful, she's so amazing, and yet mm-hmm. she's this like her what she doesn 't realize is like her personal life is going to completely implode because he was going to break up with her regardless if he 'd met Tess that seemed pretty clear yeah, he yeah. was going to end things, but she 's so delusional she 's got it like she's she 's one of those people that has like a one-year, five-year, and ten-year plan. Like, where do you see yourself in one year from now, five years from now, ten years from now? And any deviation from that, she would, you know, want to claw someone's eyeballs out
1: or something. I, I don't think there's. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that it's the. But she's ruthless idea in how, how she does it. She stole her. She's cur- shady. I mean, yeah. You know, what'd be an interesting. It, I'd love to see an interesting like prequel. You know, <laughs> you know how like they made a Maleficent <laughs> movie, so you could see like her background. Yeah. What if they made like a katherine parker movie where you could see like how she got to where she's at but um it would just be like skiing and and whatnot oh my god
0: so a recent conversation conversation that jack and i had about um some of the movies you and i've covered is um what is the inciting incident the the incident in the movie that really kind of takes makes the turn for the plot to go in the direction it's going to go, and for her for this movie it really is. She straps on those skis. They have a shot of her at the top of the hill, and then she flies off the hill. Like that's the (laughs) inciting incident because had she not had she not broken her leg, this opportunity for Tess to find number one find out that. Catherine went behind her back and stole her idea, right. would have never come up. But also, then the convenient, you know, um, kind of like just one of the guys when the parents are away for two weeks, giving Terry the perfect opportunity to pretend to be a boy for two weeks, um, right. Tess gets to live that life and be in her house and whatever, but um, yeah, I guess I'll... I mean, again, I really, really like Harrison Ford in this movie. I love the scene where he's changing in his office and he forgets to close the blinds and, like, everybody's watching him and he gets an applause and stuff. That's funny. Yeah. Um, no, I th- I, th- I think they're both good, but
1: um, no, Kath- Catherine Parker's probably got the most memorable stuff, so. Um, my favorite character is Harrison Ford, probably because I just really enjoyed all of his scenes. He doesn't really do anything like bad in any of the movie. He Yeah, he's great. He's he's, he's like the general good guy in in, yeah. in the whole thing. And my favorite scenes in the movie are um the scene in, when they have the meeting and he reveals that he is actually Jack after the night they just had together drinking where they didn't use their real names and she's like how did I get this way? How did I get that way? Did you take? Did you put make me that way? And he's just like, I took off your shoes, I took off your dress, I put you in bed. My eyes were closed the whole time. <laughs> you know that whole thing. And then um, my second favorite scene is the whole wedding scene. The, that whole scenario of. Of we weren't invited to this, were we? And then they're both in the same bathroom, and he's in the ladies' room. Yeah, you know when when the bride comes in. And yeah, then they, it's hilarious. All of that, all of that was is 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 a good scene, and it's really kind of driven by a lot of his performance and her performance. Yeah. So, and Melanie Melanie Griffith, um, you know, she at the at the time of this movie hadn't really been in a lot this was really kind of a a real breaking movie for her mm-hmm. and um you know she ended up being kind of a a, a name you know in the late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. from this movie so
0: married a couple famous guys too
1: mm-hmm. huh. still is married too I don't know if she's
0: still married to Antonio Banderas but she was with I think Don she, Johnson I think
1: she is. first I think I thought she was still married to Antonio. I thought I saw a um a shelter in place photo or something like that of <laughs> the two of them in the same house. Or something. But maybe I'm wrong. Um
0: divorced in twenty fifteen. Sorry, Matt. At least according oh, to IMDB. Oh
1: well, well Some things never last. Yep. I mean, what was the last movie she was in? I don't I mean, know. I don't think she's been in a whole lot, you know.
0: Um, my favorite scene, it's either its either towards the end when Trask um, makes Sigourney Weaver, reve- you know, really catches her in the lie. You know, in front of everybody where he's like, so how did you come up with the idea? After already hearing Melanie Griffith's whole pitch that sounds... Yeah. Very authentic. Like this is this is how I put this idea together. Um, that scene, um, I like a lot. Um, I also like the bar the the party scene when we were first introduced to Harrison Ford, like when, you know, the, the freshly quaffed uh, Melanie Griffith comes in wearing a six thousand dollar dress and yeah. looks a little uncomfortable there and he's just like, Okay, my this party's gotten a lot more interesting. Someone who seems like they've got got some uh Pizzazz has walked in, and I know who I want to talk to the rest of the night. I, I think that scene's pretty yeah. great, too. Um, yeah. she's got a mind for business and a bod for sin,
1: that's right. So, that's right.
0: But then, you know, oh, she gets right. uh, the whole uh, mis- the whole next morning, though. Wow, like you said, the Her, her, the look on her face when she walks into that meeting.
1: I mean, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? But
0: I understand why mom likes this movie. I, I get it. Like I can, I, I I understand why she likes this movie. So mom, good job. (laughs) It makes sense to us.
1: There you go. So why don't we go ahead and transition to our next movie, um, movie. I, I, I enjoy this movie, um, I think that with everything going on now, it, um, man, what a contrast we get. Yeah. um, The the next movie that we're going to talk, that Nancy's going to talk about from 1995 is The American President.
0: Wow. Yes. What a difference. Um, can I first point out though, you know, so this movie came out in 95, so we're talking 25 years ago. And like the policy issues they're debating, are the exact same issues that are still talked about now like like let's let's Gun control
1: on w- the environment and
0: and, and specifically <laughs> it's like all the same. oh my God, you know it's not just a crime bill it's well we gotta we gotta manage the handguns, and of course, like this is before any school shootings had ever really happened and
1: and of course, now apparently that didn't matter, <sighs> apparently, whether people were shooting up schools or not didn't matter, we still. Can't have decent gun laws
0: and and of course with the environment. I mean things are so much worse now than they were twenty five years ago, and there's still the debate over how much the fossil fuel emissions could be. And, yeah, um, that's crazy. So so uh, the American President, nineteen ninety five, w- directed by Rob Reiner. This is one of many Rob Reiner movies we've talked about. Um, Aaron Sorkin wrote this movie. This came out be- I believe before the West Wing ever came ever started. I've never yeah, I've never seen I've never seen The West Wing. I do know mom also loves that show. In fact, I think she even mentioned recently that she thought about rewatching that show and maybe turn decided nah, maybe I don't want to. But
1: um I think it's I again, I think it's because of like longing for something different than what we have now. Yeah.
0: Um Michael Douglas plays my favorite fictional president of all time. Um, we'll talk a little more later about other fictional movie pre- presidents that have shown up in movies, but he is just spectacular as uh, President Andrew Shepard and Martin Sheen plays his chief of staff slash best friend and Annette Benning is this um, firecracker who shows up as a lobbyist and because she's not facing the door and doesn't realize that the president walks in on a meeting where they're trying to argue why it needs to be 20%, not 10% reduction. Um, she goes ahead and is totally insulting and says that he may as well be the president of fantasy land. And, you know, (laughs) um, the, Andrew Shepard is like, Whoa, who the hell is this? This is pretty amazing. And instead of being, um, off by someone being so bold to speak her mind like that he uh, wants to go walk around the White House with her I think asks if she wants to like go grab a donut and coffee or something and hence begins the romance of uh, an American president Um, you know this again is also a pretty simple story you know Boy meets girl, um, kind of in the work environment, working environment as well. Um, we've got, um, you know, she's she, what she does as a lobbyist. You know, everything is all about based on her reputation. So her getting into a relationship with a president could really screw up her life (laughs) like it could either really make her life great or it could super screw it up because uh you know her her reputation could get completely tarnished and um yeah uh, but there's other there's other things in this movie too i mean i'm just gonna come right out and say right now that michael j fox is in this movie as um I don't know if he's a speech uh oh he's like senior domestic policy advisor or something. And also I think he writes and some he's, speeches. And he's a speechwriter. Yeah. Yeah. Um he's my favorite character.
1: I'm just He's my favorite I'm character. I'm just gonna as well. say that
0: right now. In fact, I was watching it, I was five minutes into this, and I'm like, I don't know what anyone else is gonna have to do in this movie to surpass him as my favorite character at this point, because he's just amazing.
1: He's easily my favorite character. Um and it's funny is he's not You know, at the time that this movie had come out, you know, yeah, it's not the 80s, but it's it's still Michael J. Fox was is still a hot name. Oh, yeah. And in in movies. And he's not a main character. He has a lot of, you know, good scenes, but he's always kind of second fiddle because the whole movie is either Annette Bening or Michael Douglas.
0: We can also we can also argue a little bit that his role, um, he's the only other person that seems to push. The president to to kind of he's the only yes. one who's really and challenges the president in the same way that Sidney Ellen Wade does. And that's Annette Benning's character. Uh, Martin
1: Sheen. I think I think Martin Sheen in, in some ways does kind of challenge him a little bit, but not the same way that Michael J. Fox does. Martin Sheen always kind of his character, AJ, who he's the chief of staff. He um, he always kind of has Andrew Shepard's back. Mm hmm. You know, and he'll all, but at the same time, the two of them have been friends even before they were in politics. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the relationship, you know, Andrew's asking him, like, what should I do? And he's just like, go for it. <laughs> you yeah. know. But, yeah. And, and even, even knowing the, the, the stress that it'll have, because one of the, un- besides their romance, one of these, um, stories that's happening is um, is Michael Douglas is a widower mm-hmm. and he's up for re-election and there's this you know they're constantly looking at his numbers and looking at polls um, and the idea being that that there's a chance that he might not have won the election. Originally, because it was very slim margin that he won by if he wasn't a widower. Yeah. And now that he might be in a new relationship, how will that affect his reelection? Yeah. The, so the
0: optics of the president having a girlfriend,
1: uh, I think that's the other thing that, you know, that kind of, adds like another interest probably for mom and for us because we do pay attention to politics is, is that aspect of it, you know, it's not just, you know, this relationship between him and Sydney. There's also the, the political aspect of it that um, we know Rob Reiner is very active politically and I'm sure this was a movie he was dying to make and, you know, and to be able to, to do the white house and everything. So the political background that is kind of, have, you know, the circumstances of where they're at and everything is very interesting. This could have very you could still do this movie and have it not be the president of of um, the United States. It could be a, like a CEO of a company, you know, with the same kind of thing. It won't have the same dynamic with with that same background. But it's all about the romance is all about, you know, someone of power who has a lot to lose meeting someone. Someone else, kind of thing, and how that affects it.
0: Obviously, the the him being president means that the relationship is under a microscope. And now, I love this speech where when they when they were trying to remind Andrew, you're
1: that a president in a wheel someone in a wheelchair doesn't get elected. Well,
0: and they said, and okay, remember this is '95, and they said, don't you remember if you know if there were televisions. Back in um you know, sixty years ago, a President Wheelchair doesn't get elected. Now that was before the internet where yes, there was oh, twenty four oh, hour oh, oh, yeah. there was there was twenty four hour television news coverage, but now I mean you've got the added element of the internet and Twitter and all these other social media um, outlets and it's like it's so yeah, different not, even imagine.
1: now. <laughs> Yeah. Imagine having to only worry about the the networks on TV and not the opinions of every person that has access to the Internet on the planet. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) you know, the
0: power of the power of Twitter and one tweet that gets fired off. Um, But um, so, I mean, yeah, that is part of the drama is, you know, him having to kind of understand you know, their their relationship's going to be under a microscope no matter what, because when it is the president, it's not, per, you know, you don't have a private life anymore. And that's a lot of pressure. I mean, probably more pressure for her than him in the end, because, you know, she you know she tries to break it off a few different times and you know he yeah. he you know he's
1: persistent he's very
0: persistent you know he kisses her in the dish room um he doesn't you know take you know he really tries to let you know he and then he acknowledges i get it we'll have to do this at your pace cuz it's weird It'd be weird to date the most powerful man in the world. I get it. Um, we'll yeah. do it at your pace. And then she's kind of like, hmm, okay, I'll take on this challenge. And then shows up in, like, an oversized man's T-shirt
1: and nothing else. Uh- <laughs> it's his T-shirt. That, by or the way. a button-up the whole, white shirt. The, the, slow, the, the, the whole scene where um, he proposes the slow down ma- <laughs> The, the, slow the slow down plan. plan <laughs> the slowdown plan because... Um, her problem with everything is sex and nervousness, as he says. Yeah. It. Um, the um, that whole scene up until like when he's like talking to her and she goes to the bathroom and then walks out in his shirt. Um, that whole that's my favorite scene. In the movie. That scene
0: is amazing, especially when I think the line about how he says uh, being the most powerful man in the world, you know, that doesn't necessarily, you know, the <laughs> it, 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 yes, <laughs> yes.
1: D- don't have any expectations because I'm the most powerful man in the world. Yeah, it, it
0: was, that it was so so funny. I mean, it's so great. Um, yeah, yeah. This this movie's just a lot of fun. I mean, and. I can't imagine being in that situation. I can't imagine being in Sidney Ellen Wade's position. I can't imagine being in President Andrew Shepard's position and, you know, how he could have just looked at polling and said, you know what? I shouldn't try to even fall in love again because it would be it would be detrimental to my political career. But then again, you kind of like saw him. He just kind of got struck by like a thunderbolt or excuse me, a lightning. Yeah. Thunderbolt.
1: Yes, a lightning lightning bolt. bolt. There's. there's no thunderous sound
0: thunder sound yeah he got struck (laughs) by like a lightning bolt he just like was so taken aback by her insulting him in that room um or just being that honest i guess um and it was just great and and again since we both like michael j fox so much we got to talk about his character a little more he's truly got like the most um, he's the most idealistic character in the movie like he's so firm in what he feels needs to like like don't I mean he's the one who has to give the speech to the president where he says um, when when Shepard says oh it's gonna hurt her feelings if we don't do this and he goes no wait you mean it's gonna be bad for America if we don't do this like kind of reeling him back in like what is your job here, dude? Like, your job is yeah. to run the country and to make the country a good place. And it can't all be decided on what's going to be good for your personal life or
1: not. Right.
0: But um, now, IMDb calls this movie comedy, drama, romance. So, I mean, would you classify this as a romantic comedy, Matt?
1: I classify it as a romance. He has a romantic relationship with the United States and and with Sidney Ellen Wade. I mean, I think it it, I think that it's a romance with funny parts in it, you know, but I wouldn't call it a romantic comedy like the comedy like really stands out, Mm. you know, as the reason to watch it.
0: Oh, I don't know. Michael Douglas is insanely funny in this movie. He is so funny. He's got he's he's
1: got some of the his sense of humor is great in in as as that character. I mean, when when I think of Michael Douglas, I've watched. You know, we talked about um, *Romancing the Stone*, and we were talking about this movie. And then I also recently watched um, *Falling Down*. Mm -hmm. I mean, and when I think of in *Falling Down*, like I never thought that. at any point in that movie did I ever think that's Michael Douglas in, in that role. And then, but because we grew up with Michael Douglas in romancing, in romancing the stone, you know, you kind of have this almost adventurer kind of image in your head. But really when I think of Michael Douglas, this is the character I think of, you know, because he really kind of owns this role. Yeah.
0: He's wonderful. You know,
1: in, in you know, a lot. So yeah,
0: I think, you know, I think a lot of the other supporting cast in this movie is really great. I mean, Richard Dreyfuss as a villain is really great. He I think he kind of fit a mold in my mind of like a um, fictional Republican senator for a long time. (laughs) Like just.
1: Well, remember, this came out in ninety five. There was an an election coming out, you know, in the following year. That was the year Bob Dole ran against um, Clinton. And, you know, you. Family values was very big in the '90s for many reasons. Mm. Um, so that ended up, you know, and and you really because of television and because like the whole character aspect of a of um, a politician really became to the forefront um, in the '90s. You know, I, I it probably always was, but because of television and because of getting, you know. The growth of television and it getting into people's personal lives and even more nowadays, politicians have to be very guarded. Yeah, you know, I'm or they have to be they either have to be very guarded or what you either have to be guarded, which I would say would be like the centrist thing to be or you have to be, you know, extremely good. On one aspect of it or so bad that you hide everything, you know, all the badness mm. as much as you can. You know, it's so I mean, it, it, it's not something I would ever want to be involved with. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, bef- you know, I'm going to I want to take us on just like a little side side journey here before, um, you know, we'll we'll take a little pause on talking about the American president for a second. I think because you know twenty four hour tele the twenty four hour news cycle really kicked off in the early nineties that gave us more exposure to seeing you know the president on television and I think there were a lot of movies where a president was a main character that came out from the nineties forward and like I said, Michael Douglas plays my favorite fictional president of all time, um, and i 'd asked you to think of a few other um, movies that had a president as a main character that you liked or had some kind of comment on. I don't know if you want to start and then I can chime in and see if maybe we line up. You know,
1: I'll start because I know we're not going to line up that much. And I really had a hard time thinking of movies or presidents. I liked in movies. Um, so it ended up being very kind of like, not that huge, you know, um, my first is, I mean, this is the big standout. Andrew yeah. Shepard is definitely the yeah. standout for both of us. The second one I thought of was Morgan Freeman plays a pretty good president in the action movie Deep Impact. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the third one, which is kind of kind of culty, and I don't know if you think of this, is um, Donald Pleasance plays the president in Escape from New York, who um, Snake Plissken is trying to save. <laughs> so... Um, he doesn't have he's not he doesn't have a ton of screen time or anything like that. But that was the other like president you know that was kind of I always like thought was kind of a cool kind of character. Yeah, none really stood out to me. So I, I think I have to hear your list to maybe like jog my memory or maybe okay. convince me that there's other ones. Well,
0: the other one stars your favorite character from the last movie be Harrison Ford in Air Force One
1: never saw Oh you didn't, it. didn't care to oh, Okay
0: uh, Gary Oldman's um, in it he's a great character in
1: it There was there was a period of time where in the 90s where it just kind of felt like kind of like how Liam Neeson keeps on doing action movies like Taken or like the Commuter yeah. and like things like that where he, where I kind of felt like Harrison Ford was kind of doing that and um like like one like he did Air Force 1 I think he did one with Brad Pitt
0: well he well he um, was Jack Ryan for a couple movies
1: but and then he was Jack Ryan for a couple movies and I was almost I'd almost rather him just do the Jack Ryan mm. movies because he, he did really good in that so I, I think I was had I had overload at the time mm. that Air Force One came out and I was just like eh. that's pretty good <laughs> never saw it That's
0: pretty good okay. um, so another one that is a movie that isn't really my speed any you know never really was but I saw it in the theater um, Bill Pullman and in Independence Day he played a president.
1: Ugh, uh, <laughs> he did play. Um
0: he
1: he tried to play a president, yeah.
0: I mean, not necessarily my not my favorite character nor my favorite movie, but this just,
1: is our Independence <laughs> Day. Um
0: but another one and this is kind of a different twist on it because he's a villain. Um Gene Hackman played a president in Absolute Power. Did you ever see that movie with Clint Eastwood? No. Nope, oh. It's great. I, you you may that. be watching it sometime with us for the podcast because it's great. Laura Linney, Ed Harris, a lot of good character, a lot of good actors in that movie. But
1: he's he's yeah. I, I think
0: he's a president sorry. and he's um he's a bad guy. So,
1: <laughs> Inter- He's yeah, interesting. I, you know what? It, I think the the hard thing I had was when I was trying to find other fictional president movies or movies with fictional presidents in them they either were not huge characters they had like mm-hmm. one scene or something mm-hmm. like that or it wasn't fictional it was about a real president yeah. <laughs> you know they're 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 kind of hard to they're kind of hard to find yeah. and you know unless, unless it's something like I know there's probably some futuristic movie that I'm, or sci-fi movie that I'm not thinking of where there's some sort of person that's a president.
0: I think it's a lot of um, action movies. Um, the list right. I stumbled upon had a lot of action movies. I mean, you've got like I never I I only vaguely remember this movie. I guess like Mars Attacks. I think Jack Nicholson plays president. Oh yeah, Jack in that. Nicholson.
1: I almost I almost threw that in there, but you know that's not a that's not a movie that I have seen a whole lot. Yeah, to me where neither. I'm like, Ooh, I love Mars Attacks.
0: So I th- I think I think our point. Our our point is strengthened that um, for the our best, our most favorite fictional president is in the movie called The American President. So, like, he's quintessentially yes. the American president for both of us. Um, yes. Yeah, pro- definitely one of my absolute favorite Michael Douglas performances. He's just so great in this movie and.
1: I think I think there's also probably something about this movie, you know, came out in 95. I probably saw I know I saw it in the 90s um, and I know mom really loves this movie. Our aunt
0: loves this movie, too. Kind of reminds me of Annette Annette Benning now, especially with her short hair.
1: Yeah, Um, where um, it ends up being kind of like this modern day idealized president. Yeah. (laughs) So we kind of, we kind of sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want my president to be like, more like Andrew Shepard. He's not real, but you know, more like that guy. (laughs) Uh, You know, yeah, it's, it it is what it is. There's
0: definitely a lot of nostalgia watching this movie today. Like, wow, 25 years ago, how different things were
1: how different their relationship would have been if they had cell phones or, I mean, the president wouldn't have been allowed to have one. Oh, wait. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) uh, It's, uh, it's good. I mean, and, and again, I know why this is one of mom's absolute favorite movies. And we'd actually asked mom, without telling her why we wanted to know. Um, Surprise, Mom. Um, We'd asked her, like, you know, what are your top five favorite movies of all time? And she included American President, Godfather 1 and 2, Goodfellas, and Casablanca. Um, I know she likes Working Girl. If we'd asked her to give six, I imagine Working Girl probably would have been put on that list.
1: It'd be at least in the top
0: ten. Absolutely. I I would think. Um, But... I, I know, I mean, it's clear to me why American President is so important to her. And, um, again, as a big fan of West Wing, this all it all makes sense. Yeah. And, and again, I also, I, I really enjoyed watching both of these movies. It was nice to kind of think of her the whole time while they were on. Like, yep, this is a mom movie for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I had put, I think um, my wife and I had put on Working Girl sometime within the last year we mm. was just like hey let's watch working girl and we put it on because um i forget what the circumstances were i, I it's a, it's it's a good movie yeah it's, they're I both mean, fun i i yeah they're both good movies give them a try i mean if you haven't seen it i we recommend them i i if you've seen them watch them again
0: and <laughs> and they definitely they they definitely are like a slice of history to me like they really do encapsulate you know the Late 80s and like the mid 90s, and you know, simpler times, <laughs> simpler, simpler times. times.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's how it always feels, huh? Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> I, I do also want to point out since um, Joan Cusack was in Working Girl, um, her co star from Say Anything. John Mahoney makes an appearance in American President. So we've got the uh, degrees of separation to say anything in both of these movies. And so were there any were there any other standout moments from American President you want to talk about?
1: You know, it, it just had like the entire movie has like a pretty good rhythm. It doesn't really get slow at any point. I mean. The relate, You know, there's a couple montages about their relationship that, that happen. I mean, there's a couple things that are interesting. The It's not all just about the two of them. There are parts of it that have to deal with his presidency, mm-hmm. you know, policies he's trying to make. I think there's the one scene that's really kind of telling. And, and, again, it's one of those scenes where you're sitting there going, man, I hope this is how every president is, acts, is the scene where he has to do the retaliation bombing. mm um, yeah, and he's kind of in the Situation Room with all the generals and everything, yeah. and they, um, AJ uses the term like it's a, it's a um, proportional response, yeah, you know, yeah, to do, and he's just like, at some point, someone's gonna have to explain to me the definition of proportional response because, and then. Um, Then they they go back to the Oval Office and he's got his, you know, his advisors with him. And, and, um, you know, they start talking about his poll numbers and like how they could use this to help him with the election. And one of his guys says or one of them say, you know, what you you know, do you want to give a speech about this? What you just did was very presidential. And he's just like, the thing I just did was the least presidential thing I do. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in the sense that you could see how hard it was for him to do it. And he gets in the whole argument with them about, like, you know, how many people are in the building that we're about to bomb? Yeah. And, you know, how many lives am I about to take yeah. out by making this choice? And yeah. It's hard. It was... and you would hope that every president looks at it. Oh. That. <sighs> yeah.
0: Um, another scene I really, really love is their first date um, at the state dinner. And after, you know, after oh, she's yeah. spoken French to the to the— new French president and his wife. And then they go for, they go to dance and the whole dance scene. And she's like, you know, there's 200 pairs of eyes on you. And they're asking, you know, who is this girl and why are you dancing with her? And he's like, well, you've got that wrong. Cause they're looking at you. And the answer is Sydney, Ellen Wade. And because she said yes. And it's like, Oh my God. So smooth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, how do you not fall in love with that guy? Um, no, this, this, uh, the dialogue is so great in this movie. I mean, it's very Aaron Sorkin. Jack commented on the Aaron Sorkin quality of the walk and talk, which they only do a couple times in this movie. <laughs> um, I guess that's pretty common. Oh, where they're
1: having a conversation while they're walking. Yeah, and
0: it's being filmed. I guess that's very one of his big trademarks. Um, but I, um, I really, um, I really like little Samantha Mathis as the, um, is it his personal secretary or main like main assistant, personal assistant.
1: Yeah. And
0: and her and when he wants to send flowers, he's like I want to do it myself and she's so confused like did I do something wrong? Like what's the problem? He's like yeah. no, I just want to <laughs> do it myself. And how it turns out like this is like the thing as president you just can't do. You cannot send a woman that you're interested in flowers if you're president. It's just impossible. Right.
1: It's very funny, but Anyways, do you have any other final thoughts for for either of these movies? N- no, I thought just that um, I thought it was a great idea to pick a couple of mom's movies. Um, Happy birthday, mom! I'm sorry that this year, you know, was kind of strange. We did we did throw a nice little Zoom party yes. for for mom. And, she was
0: so surprised.
1: Um, we surprised her. We had a lot of friends and family there. It turned out to be um, a really fun half hour uh, of that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people saw other people that they hadn't seen in a long time. So I thought that was great too. And again, it's something that everyone needed, I think in this whole kind of strange trip that we're in right now. But, um, um, just like, You know, fun podcasts and movies, things to keep us sane. And these are two, these are two uplifting movies that, you know, I think that right now would probably be a good time to watch.
0: Yeah. We can't guarantee every movie we're going to talk about during this shelter in place uh, situation is going to be a comedy, but we're hopefully, hopefully they'll all be entertaining (laughs) regardless.
1: It's felt good to do lately. I, you know, we've thought about, you know, it'll get. It'll get gritty, but you know, well, it's just a movie. Speaking of getting, remember, it's just a movie. Getting gritty, <laughs> I
0: had a uh, Facebook memory pop up today that it was a year ago yesterday, or a year ago today maybe, where we did our infamous Lost Highway Desperately Seeking, Seeking Susan episode. Probably our most epic disagreement we've ever had on a podcast. Only a year ago, look at how far we've come.
1: I'm surprised that you wanted to mention that, considering how wrong you were in that uh-huh. <laughs>
0: Anyways.
1: Anyways, I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, don't forget to rate us on your favorite podcasting apps, or you know, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever, and you know, check us out on the socials and uh, send us a line. We're still here. And
0: stay safe, everybody. <laughs> stay safe. Stay healthy. It's what we're all working on right now is just getting healthy and you know, getting through this as soon as we can. And getting to do this in person again eventually.
1: <laughs> we're making it work oh, though. I don't know. This is working out p- I don't know, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's safer that we keep our distance. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This is Fighting Over the VCR. Thank you. Good night.